Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Tom Fertle, your host. Today I'm joined by Mr. Tom DeAngelis and Mr. Ardo Day. Welcome one and all. Thank, Thank you very you. much for having me. Absolutely. This morning, our uh, our reading is going to be from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 1. So if you want to get your Bibles ready, um, before we jump in, um, Tom, would you mind leading us with a prayer, inviting the Holy Spirit to be with us and among us uh, today? Sure. This is a prayer from, uh, actually, from page 2 of our Stewardship of Prayer book, which is available on our website, or you can, uh, if you would like to hold your own Gospel Reflections, uh, give us a call, and we'll we'll deliver not only the gospel reflection sheets, but we'll take the prayer books out for you too. So it's on page two. It's called Jesus' Prayer for Unity. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you love me. In the name of the Father and of the Son, Son and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. And Art, would you mind uh, opening up the uh, the Word of God first and let's get uh, let's get into it. I'd be happy to. Um, as you said, it's it's Mark uh, chapter one and it's verses twenty nine to thirty nine. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you, he told them. Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the, you know, the, the scripture passages are so filled with just, uh, you know, powerful words that you can, you can just, you know, take one piece and, and dwell on it. And what always sticks out to me here is, is, is the immediately, um, you know, upon entering the house and recognizing that Simon's mother-in-law was sick, they immediately told Jesus about her. In other words, there's no hesitation. We have an issue. We have a struggle. We have a challenge. And, and the response is immediately turn to our faith. And I think about in my life how many times I don't turn immediately. You know, I 
I got this, uh, you know, I can figure something out or I can handle this, you know, and it's only when I, you know, have then sunk lower uh, and haven't been successful, which is typically the case, then I kind of go, oh, that's right. I can, I can, uh, you know, I can throw a prayer. I can reach out to God, you know, for something. And, uh, you know, we, I think we forget about that sometimes. And we, you know, we kind of wait until uh, things get to a point there, you know, we, you know, we finally, we, we finally surrender, which isn't a bad thing that we surrender. Uh, but I think it's a, a good lesson for me to remember that we don't have to get that far. We don't have to go alone and just wait for the difficult times. You know, I know, uh, you know, David, our founder always talks about, you know, inviting God along for the good rides and for the good things. And too many times, you know, we don't do that. And we, we turn yeah. to God when it's, uh, when things are bad, when things are horrible, as opposed to when they're starting to get horrible or when they're good and just invite them for the journey and just share the good stuff as well. You know, and the, it's, it's kind of funny you should mention that because in the, the gospel of Mark, I mean, it's like, it's like off to the races. I mean, it starts out and what happens? I mean, Jesus starts doing battle with the devil. I mean, he goes off to the, uh, yeah, right you know, the, the beginning, right, of the right in the chapter, beginning yeah. you know, he goes right off to it. And, you know, and, and we're going to have that reading, I believe, on the first Sunday of Lent. We'll get that, we'll get that gospel. And it's very interesting, too, that he immediately goes out to do battle with the devil. And last Sunday and this Sunday, we have him casting out demons as part of the, right. as part of the, um, of the gospel. Um, you know, think about it. Jesus is taking on, when you read these Sundays, uh, Jesus is taking on what? He's taking on demons, disease, and death, the three Ds. And, you know, and he's taking them on for us. He's showing us the way. He's showing us that, you know, we don't have to give in to our demons, okay? We don't have to give in to our diseases. We don't even have to worry about death. Why? Because he's going to take care of all of that. You know, that's the good news. I mean, that's the good news that he's coming to preach. And he's going out. He says, after he prays, you know, he does what he does what he says he wants us to do. You know, he tells us, um, I believe it's in the Gospel of Matthew, he tells us to go in private and to pray. You know, what does Jesus do? He goes early before dawn, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. still dark out, you know. And in the darkness he is praying, he's praying to the Father, you know, and then he goes off to uh to seek the people that are looking for him. So in the darkness, we are looking for him, right, and him to bring us the light. Um, so, you know, that's it. I mean, what, are our, what is our darkness? It's our demons, it's our diseases, and it's our fear of death. I think, I think too, or to pick up on that point, you know, the way that the Scripture reads here, it says, when it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were uh, ill or possessed by demons, and then rising very early before dawn. So it's still dark. It's mm-hmm. the same darkness. In one darkness, he's doing battle with the demons. In the other darkness, he's reconnecting with his father or more deep, deeply connecting with his father. But two, that, uh, the temptation that you mentioned um, in the desert, uh, that was at the end of a period of a long period of fasting. So he was there probably battling with his own human instincts. And, um, you know, you read some of the great church fathers and they'll talk about how Jesus was. You know, while he had the he had the the knowledge of God, he also had the human body that he was growing into and figuring out how the the daggone thing works. You know, and so mm-hmm. he had passions to deal with like we do, and he had instincts and he had drives and he had and that's you know that's the essence of those temptations is basically he confronted them, dealt with them, 
and conquered them, and uh, and that's what we're called to do. But again, there's there's the darkness where you do battle, and then there's the darkness where you connect with you know you reconnect with the Father, and that's it's the same darkness where you're doing battle. You know that you're also growing in your in your love of the Father. So there's both sides of that thing in the dark, in mm-hmm. the darkness. And like you both alluded to, I mean, that we see Jesus going to pray. I think we forget mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah. we forget that. You know, anytime I think I have my spiritual life, you know, put together or I'm I'm good for the day or good for the week, I don't need to pray. And and all of course all throughout scripture you've got Jesus going to pray. Uh, and and usually most times I think going off alone. You know, yeah. like just just myself and the Father. He came to do the Father's will. And the only way to to be strengthened by the Father and to know the Father's will for his life was to make sure that he was in communion on a regular basis. And again, so for us, you know, for the message to us is the same thing. To know God's will, you have to spend time fostering that relationship. And then to be strengthened for that journey, you have to spend time uh, strengthening that relationship. And the only way to do that is to, you know, unplug, disconnect, uh, and and enter into communion. And I think it's, it's just a fabulous lesson because many people, I think if you took a poll, how many people, you know, do you know that Jesus prayed? No, he didn't have to pray. He was God. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we forget that. It's just a, it's just a great, just a, a great example, a great lesson. And a, and a great reminder that no matter, you know, and I say, especially when we feel the most confident, <laughs> I right. think yeah, is when yeah. is when we should probably pray the most, you know, when we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. You know, you know it, it, it's interesting that, you, you know, you brought up about Jesus praying. Um, I thought back to something, you know, way back in my past in 1975. I had the opportunity to work on an archaeological dig in in Israel. It was an it, it was an educative experience. Um, it was a consortium of colleges, and we went off on the weekends, and they would take us to the various holy sites. Of course, we spent a lot of time in Jerusalem, and at that time, you could still go in to the mosque that's built up on top of the Temple Mound, where the temple was, where 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 Jesus and uh, you know where they worshipped, where all all of Israel worshipped, and um, you could still go into this mosque, which is on the exact same spot where the temple stood, and there's this massive rock in there which incidentally I've been told is the top of Mount Moriah where uh, the Abraham and Isaac story was supposed to take place. But underneath in the rock, there's, there's a, there was a niche and, and little steps going down. And they explained to me that within that, that the temple when it was there, it was a little prayer room. And, and tradition has that Jesus went into there quite often to pray when he was in the temple. He would just get apart from the crowd and he would go down. So Jesus was always praying. He was always trying to stay connected to the Father. And, and you know, you stop and think about it. When the people were saying, everybody is looking for you, you know, they were looking for him physically. You know, they were looking for something from him. But the connection... The connection with God is what? It's just what you're saying. It's through prayer. We're coming up on Lent. How do we get connected to God? Through prayer, through fasting, through almsgiving. When you pray, you're giving up time. You're giving up time to God. And, and in a sense, that's a fast. And when, you, and when you fast, you're giving up something that would free you to have either some additional time or some treasure 
or, or whatever it is that you have to give in almsgiving. It's, it, the three things are connected, you know. And then, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches a lot about that. He teaches about prayer and, and fasting and almsgiving, you know, the proper way to do that. And he, we'll get into that. We'll get into that in the readings in, in, in Lent. But it, it, it's so much. It says, everyone is looking for you. Well, where do you find Jesus? You find him through prayer. You find him in the tabernacle at church. You find him in Holy Communion. Just like you were saying, Jesus was looking for communion with the Father. We should be looking for communion with Jesus. And as Catholics, where do we get the most perfect union with Jesus here on earth? It's, it's in the Eucharist. It reminds me of... Um you know, the ending of the, the, the finding of Jesus in the temple is like, you know, didn't you know I would have, right, if you right. wanted to find me, you needed to just look where my father is because that's where I would be. And uh, and that's kind of what you're saying. I'm thinking too of uh, uh, spending time. I, I think there's this tendency a lot of times with those of us who are active in, you know, in ministries and things is that, well, we, we I don't have time to pray. You know, I'll, I'll sneak in a rosary in the car or something like that. But I really need to spend some time. Well, you know, you look at Jesus's life, and like you were saying, Tom, he's always running off to be with the Father. I'm thinking, too, I just finished a biography of Pope John Paul, and, you know, he's constantly getting, you know, he even interrupted some of his trips. You know, he, if he walks by a chapel, he needs to stop, you know. One time they found him in a broom closet, kneeling down at the sink, praying, you know, just lost in prayer. I mean, there's a guy that, you know, as a pope, served more years, wrote more pages than any other pope, traveled more miles than any other pope, was seen by estimates of several billion people over his lifetime. And he was constantly taking an hour or two hours a day. And when he was younger, and he was a cardinal even, he used to take three or four hours. Sometimes they couldn't find him. And uh, his, the sisters that took care of him would say, oh, just go check in the chapel. He's probably, they said, no, we looked in the chapel. He's not there. He's laying down on the floor in front of the, in front of the blessed sacrament. So you need, to, you need to go up in the front and look on the floor. That's why you didn't <laughs> see him. You know, literally, I mean, and then you think about that and you think, here's a man that accomplished so much in his ministry as a priest and yet we're worried about spending an hour a day in front of the blessed sacrament and he couldn't get enough of it i mean he, he would probably spend two three hours a day if he could and still all that he was able to accomplish you know and and look at jesus i mean he's always going off trying to find time with the father and yet look what he was able to accomplish in three years so yeah and i know we've mentioned uh, monsignor uh, you know grima before at uh, on our show yeah. a friend of ours who passed away uh, this fall um you he's know he's been on the show his work, several, he's yeah, actually, yeah, yeah that's right times, so yeah. i mean from from malta and, and and taking care of you know 50 50,000 you know orphans you know uh, you yeah. know in africa and you know i spent time with him this this summer and you can say how does how does someone do that i mean you know he was older and you know not elderly but older and and just that the schedule that he kept and the work that he did and then you match that with you know St. Paul saying prayer pray always and often well being around him I saw that I saw you know anywhere he went he just hey you know a rosary or a glory be or yeah. whatever it was he would just burst out in prayer and you, and you when you're around that to me a saint uh, you, you just you 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 understand oh that's what praying uh, without end means it doesn't mean you know never shutting up but it means is no matter what you do good thing bad thing he'd throw a prayer a prayer of thanksgiving a prayer for courage uh, you know no matter what it was uh, going into the store to try to see if they had an item 
something that that he that he needed, you know, throw a quick prayer. <laughs> it just yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah. But when you see someone like that and you see the joy and you you know they, they you know they've got that hotline to God because they're they're just there in communion. But that's how he can do that work. That's how he can tirelessly serve and and the poor and the, and the, and the downtrodden on a daily basis because it's not through his own efforts. It's not through his own his physical ability. It's through that communion with God. And and, and what a lesson, you know. Yeah. So, and it's true. It makes you think. Well, I, I you know I'll try to sneak my prayer in. Well, no, that's um, when we when we if we neglect or try to shortchange our personal relationships, they don't work out. Well, same thing with our spiritual relationship. There's no shortcuts. Yeah. You know? So well, I. I remember the last time he was here with Claudio, I spent about four days with him. And uh, and it, you're exactly right, Tom. I mean, every time we were together, it was, you know, that we were, they were doing something. I mean, we were, there was a sing-along we had down at somebody's house in Philadelphia. But then we'd pray. We'd pray at the beginning. We'd pray at the end. And it was very natural. And then we'd be in the car. We'd be driving to one of the schools where we were taking he and Claudio. And it'd be, oh, it's the morning. I'm I'm thinking about our mother, Mary. Let's do the rosary. And we'd do the rosary. And, it, you know, all, all four of us in the car we're reciting it, and then we get in the car after an afternoon presentation. He go, "It's three o'clock. It's the it's the hour of mercy." Hour so we mercy. did the we did the chaplet. I never prayed so much, and it was such a great lesson. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm in the car all the time. Why don't I do this? You know, right. why don't I spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament? And that's the other thing. When we got out, he always wanted. If there's a chapel, he always wanted to stop in and make a visit. He was such a great example. He's a draw. He was like. And I imagine Pope John Paul was probably like that too. Like he just drew people to the Lord because he he was inclined that way himself. But it was his whole it was his whole life. And like you said, Tom, I'm I'm sure even at his age with his illnesses that he had, is the energy came from that connection. He just didn't have that. And I think the other thing we sometimes forget is uh, I I think a lot about the evangelization that we try to do and inspire in other people. And it, and the thing we have to keep remembering is it's not going out so much and you know and encouraging people to do that as it is being that kind of a per you know being the example being the model and where does that come from? It comes from that deep abiding relationship with Christ and with the Father that you then take out and it just spills out of you. You you can't even help it you know and other people say I, I want some of that right. but you can say all you want you should go out and evangelize <laughs> yeah. and it, and that's not nearly as powerful as bringing it with you out of the church or out of the chapel or out of, you know, the place of prayer where you connected with God and then bringing it to other people. That's that's how you create evangelists, not by castigating them, you know. You know, maybe maybe we we shouldn't we shouldn't evangelize and we shouldn't catechize until we have a prayer life. You know, I mean, think about that. that you know, you think yeah. about it. I mean, there, there, there is an axiom in the church. You know, lex orende, lex credende, lex vivende. I mean, the law of prayer affects your belief, which in turn affects the way you live. It all starts with the way that we pray. You know, if we don't, if we don't pray in a trinitarian manner, do we really believe in the Trinity? You know, if we don't, you know, if we don't. Um, go to mass and 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 in our prayer we don't listen and hear the words of that are telling us that of the real presence in the Eucharist. You know, uh, these these are central you know the central beliefs of the faith, and it, and it really all comes out of the way that we pray. 
I mean, I heard both of you mention the rosary several times. What more of a scriptural prayer than you have in the rosary? You know, Catholics are often criticized with the rosary because of the repetition of the Blessed Mother. But think about it. You know, here you have in this gospel, you have Jesus being beset by Jesus by by all these people coming in at 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 sunset, and they're bringing him all the people that were ill, all the people possessed by demons. You know, the whole town was gathered at his door. That has got to be exhausting. You know, it's got to be exhausting. You know, and so he goes to prayer. He goes to prayer immediately after that. Why? Because he needs to calm down. Well, as people, you know, this repetitious prayer, it's, it's, it's a mantra. You know, it's, it's, it's intended to calm us down, you know. And if we pray scripturally, which is the way we're supposed to pray the rosary, you know, today is Wednesday. And on Wednesday, what do we pray? We pray the glorious, glorious mysteries. mysteries yeah. Okay? So the first glorious mystery is the resurrection. You know, and as you're calming yourself down with, with ten Hail Marys, in the back of our mind is the resurrection. You know, and you calm down. And the calmer you get, it is amazing the thoughts that can come in as you meditate on, on the resurrection. What is after that? The, the, the ascension of Jesus and then the coming of the Holy Spirit, the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then her coronation as Queen of Heaven and Earth. What does that mean? You know, you won't figure that out and you won't let God speak to you unless you calm yourself down. Those ten little Hail Marys in between, if said, if said quietly, slowly, reverently, will put us in, in contact with the real meaning of what we find in Scripture. Um, the rosary is Scripture. The rosary is, 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 a, is a weapon against the devil. Uh, you know, the devil hates the rosary. He hates it with a passion. You know, we wrestle with our own flesh, we wrestle with demons, and we wrestle with the world. We need some time to be at peace. We need some time to be at rest. We need some time of quiet. Jesus is showing us the way. Jesus, after all his busyness, went and prayed. He spent, he spent the rest of the night in prayer. And then he went and out. Then, right. And I've, I've, you know, people said, well, you do that rosary, you know, that's 15 minutes. You're saying the same prayers. I could, I could, I could do my own prayers, you know, and I say, if you can do your own prayers for 15 minutes, well, then good. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. If everybody spent at least 15 minutes a day, hallelujah. That's yeah. a good thing. Um, you know, I, I find, of course, that, and that's the beauty of the faith, we have these things that that I don't say they make it easy, but they give a focal point. Mm-hmm. You, you can draw. It's 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 like a deep well that we can drink from. You don't have to go dig your own hole. You know the, the yeah. prayers and some of these prayers. You know we're talking about you know the universal prayer and other these prayers. They, they go back you know forever. You know? Yeah, I mean the, the, our Father. These are these are things. The words of of, of of the angel to Mary. These are things that are rooted. You know our faith is based on. And so. I, yes, spontaneous prayer is a wonderful thing, and we all do it as well. But when I need that discipline and make sh- to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. spending time every day, you know, I find that the wealth of prayers, you know, that that have been around the church for so many years, it um, it, it, it 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 helps me. It gives me that yeah. direction. It gets me started. And then as I go deeper, then I meditate further. You know, I, and I de- I delve down and I I, I talk to God and I, and I listen. What mm-hmm. what's what's being said through this? You know, mm-hmm. but it, it's these these prayers that that take us to that place. Like right. I love that art, how they calm us, they, they prepare us, you know, they help us enter in. It's not 
the quick, you know, hey, God, you know, what? And, then, and then I move on. I haven't even listened. I'm just yeah. throwing some words, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, I find them to be very, they're very, they're beneficial. You they know, are very beneficial. We are, we are psychological creatures. You know, we God gave us these tools to use to help us, you know, mentally, emotionally, uh, and spiritually. I believe. You know, yeah. for our friends that are rooted in Scripture, okay, you know. Many of our prayers come right out of Scripture. The Our Father, the beginning of the Hail Mary, the Magnificat, the, uh, the, the prayer of Zechariah that we do at morning prayer. You know, the Psalms. I mean, you just listen, just listen to the words at Mass. I mean, they're just coming, boom, right out of Scripture. They're coming mm-hmm. right out of our, our faith and our belief. Um, you know, it is there. You know, it is there. Uh, the formal prayers that we have. Many, many of them are scriptural. You know, many, many of them are scriptural. Yeah. Uh, Even the the f- whole first part of the Hail Mary is mm-hmm. right out of the scriptures. And the prayer that, that I opened with is is from John's gospel, Jesus' prayer for unity. That exactly. whole chapter 17 is a, is a big chapter of prayer to the Father for the apostles and for those who will believe in in him through them, which is us. Exactly. You know? So here's Jesus praying for us, you know? And again, it's part of it's part of the relationship with God and part of the relationship with Christ that we grow in prayer. And as you said, Art, that means slowing down, taking some time away, focusing on the relationship because it doesn't grow by accident. You know, it doesn't grow when you're we're busy and we're distracted and we're doing all those things, and in fact, I think the thing that you know that the, the lesson of, of most clearly from Pope John Paul is that it grows more um, more dramatically the deeper you go into into Christ, into God. The, the the deeper you go into relationship, the more dramatic the impact is that you can have. And so, and I I try to th- reflect on that often is like if I'm not having an impact, I'm probably not praying deeply enough. I need to. I need to keep those things because that's that's kind of what I hold myself accountable to. I think we all should. You know, if I'm not having an impact on the people around me, I'm probably not connected to Christ deeply enough. What's the adage, right? Work, work as though everything depends on us, and pray as everything depends on Him. It, it, yeah, it's true. Exactly. You know, because both of those are true. Right? Uh, absolutely. And 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 the times I think you, you nailed it, Tom. The times I feel most ineffective are the times when it's because I'm out on my own and I'm and I'm not in that communion. There's no yeah. doubt that we cannot give that which we don't possess. We we cannot. Share Share that which we are not full of and ready to share, and so I think our, our you know our message uh, for one another for everyone today is to, of course to to be plugged in use a simple term to to enter into communion to re- to remember that to to be able to share to be able to live out our faith it starts with as you so aptly said Art it starts with that relationship I I cannot go out and do good or be good or preach good or any of those things if I am not following the example of Christ and staying in communion um, with him, through him, to the Father. I must be strengthened for the journey. I must be energized for the journey. I must be plugged in. Um, you know, we are the branch, you know, we are the branches, you know, right, he, right. He, he, is, he is the core. And so as we go forth, make that time, find that time today, every day, moments of prayer, spontaneous prayer, our traditional prayers, find the time to foster that relationship with the Father. It is only through that strong relationship that we can be lights in this world and help build the kingdom of God. We thank you for your time and uh, have a blessed day. We'll see you all next time. Thank you.
Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.